We've all heard some great lawyer jokes. Trust us, we've heard them, all of them. But without sounding too adversarial, lawyers are humans too. In fact, that's the main theme of this podcast. Welcome to The Human Lawyer, the time and place where we have conversations with lawyers focusing on the intersection of the existential and the practical. Today, we meet Sabrina Winters, an estate planning attorney in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the person who goes to work with one mission. How can she make her clients smile today? Smiling can be tricky in her work as she helps people plan for their days when they're no longer on this earth. So Sabrina's clients, she helps them find their smile through patience, passions, passion, and confidence. Sabrina's life story is shaped by perhaps her gregarious Italian uncle who taught her the importance of having an estate plan and the challenges of being without one. Sabrina carries his story with her today as she helps her clients develop a plan to exit this world joyfully, perhaps in a similar celebratory fashion we often associate with one's birth. Sabrina is also a soccer mom, a sport she grew up playing and loving. Today we explore the things that matter to Sabrina and perhaps whether her perception of death has changed in light of the work she does as an estate planning attorney. Welcome to the Human Lawyer Podcast. So from, uh, I think the formative story that shows up on the, uh, like in the video that's on your website is the story of your uncle. And, uh, and I think it sounds like from that story, um, your dad was very close to him. Yes. Yes. First, thank you for having me on. Um, you pretty much nailed my, nailed my past and what got me here. Um, but yeah, that, that one experience with my uncle, not having anything in writing, his passing really solidified what I wanted in my career, how I wanted to have a practice and how I was going to approach it. So my future clients didn't have to go through the awful experience that my father and and we all had to go through. Where, like, where were you in your life at that time? Were you in college, out of college, in law school, out of law school? I had just recently graduated law school. I had started late. I started at 25. Um, and by the time I had graduated, my, my uncle was feeling off. Like he had some heart problems and things like that, but we noticed a lot of his memory was not there more and more often. And so between graduation and actually being licensed, you know, I could have helped him get some of these things in place. You know, I knew one or two attorneys, but he was just this real happy guy who decided that all of his problems were going to be our problems when he passed. And it wasn't something he wanted to address. And so he didn't, he didn't do any of that. And then his, his condition progressed pretty quickly to the point where nothing was in writing and the only options that were available were to try to keep him alive by resuscitation. So I had no experience with this really at all. You know, when I was in seventh grade, my father's mother passed. I was close to her, but, you know, in seventh grade, I don't think yet you're really in touch with any of it. I, I remember being sad. I remember missing her, but I don't remember what so much my family went through back then. Um, so I had, didn't have a lot of experience and didn't really have anybody holding our hands or explaining the options or helping us get through that decision-making process, you know, cause 
I'm not without any shady past in my family. You know, we're not all perfect. So I relate to clients when they when they say things like, you know, I don't have this great relationship with my kids or, you know, I'm not really sure how to handle this this one situation because we don't get along anymore. You know, we have that in our family, just like everybody else. And that was the challenge was nobody agreed. Nobody agreed on how to address ending his life in a compassionate, respectful way that he may have wanted because he never shared that with us. So I was brand new at it, just like everybody else. And, you know, we did what we could to try to make that the best for him. But it wasn't the best. It wasn't. I mean, 20 some odd years later, my dad still questions if he did the right thing. He questions if my uncle was aware of what was going on when we were all in the room. Um, any questions? What what would he have wanted me to do different? We'll never know. Right. Never know. Oh, and I think this is on your website um, that you, your family is Italian, right? Yes. So me and my siblings are first generation Italian. Yeah. So I was going to make a joke that like it would be weird for the Italian for an Italian family to agree on. Like, you, right. you, you would most certainly need something in writing. Uh, That's probably probably true. Or we could probably nail things out over a Sunday meal. I mean, we're sitting at the table for three hours, so we could figure out anything, right? Yeah, and and I I also made a, a, a somewhat of an assumption about him being your uncle being gregarious because there's a photo of him on your website and he has this big wide smile. And then you told the story of uh, of him wanting to get buried uh, across the street from friendlies because he wanted to see people <laughs> coming and going, and so. Uh, that's that nails him. He, you know, he was always one that would just show up. He'd show up at the house. He he'd bring some food over. He'd sit for a little while, eat, and he'd be gone. Um, but he was always fun when he came over. You know, for the holidays, he always gave us scratch off tickets, and he always made this funny face in the cards. And I still have some of his cards because that his personality was what he was. If you ran into him at the mall, the grocery store, like. He was authentic no matter where he was, and he was always happy. You know, he used to bring candy to the neighborhood kids. Like, he'd show up, and we'd say, the candy man's here, and just throw us candy. He'd come and eat, and then he was gone as fast as he came, and that's how, that's just how he wanted everything to be. Just always a happy guy. Yeah, and so then what, what prompted you to go to law school? Gosh, um, that takes me back. You know, being first generation, one of three kids my parents had, you know, good enough was not good enough for us. They came to this country, you know, both educated. Mom was a teacher, dad an engineer, and they came here only for their family, you know, to make sure that we did what we needed to do and get our careers and be productive. So... I think at some point when I was real young, I had said I wanted to be a lawyer and that was it. I mean, it was written in stone that that was it. Sabrina was going to be a lawyer and they told all their friends, my daughter's going to go to law school. You know, even in, in middle school, she's going to go to law school. This is going to be our future lawyer. Um, so making them happy and proud was a big deal for me. But I I always enjoyed the law programs. I enjoyed reading things that had to do with the law. And I had always had some job in a law practice, whether it was 
receptionist work or filing clerk, or then I moved up to, you know, assistant paralegal in training. Like I, I always just enjoyed that kind of environment. And then, you know, I, I graduated high school and I went to undergrad and I still wanted to be a lawyer, like nothing like I was a musician, I played viola and piano and I loved it. It was, I was really good at it without trying. And my parents said, well, what about that? And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's going to be my life. I don't, I don't want that as a life. I enjoy it. It brings me happiness right now. It got me through a lot of stressful times. Um, but I said, you know, I still want to be a lawyer. I still want to, but it was always criminal. You know, I think Every every potential lawyer wants to be a criminal lawyer in some regard, and I wanted to do it on the prosecutor side. So I saved my 12 credits of elective credits in law school so I could go back home to New York and do all my credits in one of the most coveted internships that law school students would, would kill for. It was in major crimes. I mean, this was this was my life's dream was major crimes and I nailed myself an internship there. Hmm. And in one week, I thought, oh my God, all these years and I hate it. I hate it. I I hated the politics of it. I hated the lifestyle of it. Um, I hated that it was who you knew, not what you knew or how good you were. And I thought, oh wow, now what? Like I'm graduating law school. What what do I want to do? And then just like everything else in my life, one door closed, I tried to open many and my uncle's sickness and his dying, that one event changed everything for me. That's when I knew I had to do estate planning. It was, it was what I was meant to do. I just needed a bigger smack in the face to show me that, you know, this is what you're meant to do, not that other stuff. Where, where did where was he living at the time of his pathing? Um, so we all lived on Long Island. So I grew up on Long Island, New York. My uncle lived, you know, maybe 10 minutes away from us. And, and my internship was on Long Island all the way out east. So if you know Long Island, it's, it was in Riverhead. Um, and so my goal was I had gone to law school up in Michigan and I didn't want to stay there. I knew that I wanted to come back home, even though I had several job offers. I thought, oh. I'm going to take a bar in a state that I don't want to stay here forever. I don't want to commit myself. So I went back to New York. <clears throat> so we all lived nearby. The internship was nearby. My career was going to be on Long Island. That's where I wanted to be or somewhere in New York. Um, and then my uncle's situation happened and it was like, okay, this is it. Now I got to figure out how I get this career path going. Yeah, that's, it's really, uh, really interesting. You mentioned Long Island. I don't know anything about Long Island. So tell, tell, like, describe what it was like growing up and being from Long Island. Oh, so I have a very different experience, probably, than many that you would ask about growing up on Long Island. It didn't really matter where I grew up. I was raised in a very strict Italian Catholic family. So all of the things that I did really were family focused. They were surrounded by family. Um, you know, like a typical Italian girl in an Italian family, there's there's no dating, there's no sleepovers, there's no parties. Like you were, 
really raised as if we were raised in Italy. Um, but of course, men are different in Italian families. It's just how it is. Um, so my brother, who's five years younger than me, will give you a completely different perspective <laughs> on what it was like growing up um, on Long Island. But I do remember my mother was always there. She only started working back as a teacher when my brother was in school full time because she wanted to be with us. And she took college classes at night. So she showed me what it was like to work hard. But she always did things with us. And we were 10 minutes from the Long Island Sound and 30 minutes from the ocean. So we grew up at the water. We took swimming lessons at the water. My mother packed a lunch, sometimes even a dinner. We would just hang out there all summer long together. And that's what I remember about Long Island, being close to the water. I, I am definitely a water person. Um, but my parents just, it, it was all around family. We almost every weekend drove to the Bronx, which is one of the boroughs in New York that, and we'd go see my grandmother and my aunts and uncles, and we'd stay there for the weekend. Again, it was family things. Um, vacations, historical. My father didn't believe in taking us to Disney. We came to this country, you learn the language, you learn the country. We did everything historical. The Liberty Bell, um, we did DC several times. Like everything about growing up was for me personally, was family focused. It was a great life. I wish I appreciated it more when I was in it, living it. I do appreciate it a lot more as I got older and you know, I became a mom and got my career going on really the sacrifices that they made, but I wouldn't trade it in for the world, but I had a great life. I had family that loved me. My parents were around all the time. We had the beach um, and, and family was there. So I had a great experience and I loved it. Yeah. That's so interesting because uh, you start to see maybe how some of the dots connect because now the work that you do is very much about other people's families. Absolutely. Um, and family was like, yeah. And even, I mean, everyone obviously has very different family experience. Not, probably many of your clients aren't first generation. Anything. But I think I probably, um, kind of the uh the vibrance of your family experience helps uh you help others navigate through their own experience even if it might be materially different than yours right and and i think you know we all we all share every single one of us shares one thing in common we are all going to die it's just a matter of how you accept it and how you're going to deal with that and so you know bringing that to the table with clients you know, my experience is very different and it's purposeful. Everything I've done has been on purpose since that experience. I purposely don't want clients feeling intimidated coming to see me. I purposely don't want them to feel fear in expressing anything that they feel, even if it sounds negative. I've heard it before and there's never any judgment here. Even the office looks like it's home. We've got candles lit. The the wall color is, is warm. Like, I try to purposely make it 180 degrees different from the experience that we had and clients respect that. And it makes it so much easier to open up 
and have these really bad conversations. You know, you you brought something up at the beginning about making them smile. My my staff answers the phone in a particular way every single time. It doesn't matter. Every time they pick up the phone, it's a great day at the law office of Sabrina Winters. I'm Sabrina. How can I make you smile today? Or what can I do for you today? Right. It it has to be like you're smiling. You can have a bad day, but when you're on the phone with a client, there are no bad days because probably today is their worst day. And we want to feel make them feel safe and comfortable and that they are in good hands. And if you lift your head and you smile when you answer the phone, everything just automatically sounds like you're happy. Yeah. So it's well, all perfect. To be fair to you, I did get the smiling line from your website. Oh, good. <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw that that was something that uh, that was how you all answered the phone. So I was like, I think that needs to find a way into your intro. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for that. You know, I, I'm authentic. So wherever you see me, whether it's on social media, whether you call the office, you stop by, you see me at the grocery store. I mean, I, I've retained clients at the grocery store. I just am me all the time. And I wasn't. You know, the human part of me allowed other people's judgment of me to, you know, I define myself by it, but I learned, you know, the only thing, the only thing I can control is my character. How you perceive me is on you. I have no control over that. And when I realized that, and I really took it to heart, I was more authentically me. So you're going to get me no matter where I am, as authentic as I can always be. And I, yeah. I my clients deserve that. Yeah, for sure. One of the best thing, I wouldn't say the best things, one of the things that really resonated with me about um, what people think of you is like when you when you start to allow that to influence you, yeah, you're uh, you're letting them have control over your life. Like their their uh, their opinions, their you know, it seems, uh, whatever your perspective, I, I tend to believe that we're all uniquely different for a reason. We're all supposed to be doing like different things in our own ways. And like, uh, and so if you're, if you're occupied that way, you might not be doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. So. I totally agree. And, you know, it did take me a while to be okay with, I'm not everybody's fit. Not every client is going to agree with how I run my practice and how I, you know, I treat my clients and it's okay. Not every client is a right fit for me and I'm not the right fit for everybody, but it took a lot of soul searching and, and a lot of perspective to really get that ingrained in my head. It's okay to say no, and it is okay not to be that right person for that person and not let it ju judge you and not let it define you in any way. You, you just move on because everybody is different. Everybody's looking for something different in their lawyer. And if they're not getting it from you, why are you changing? You're just not gonna be yourself then. So it took a, it took a lot to get to that point, um, but I'm, I'm finally there and it's really made a, a ginormous difference in who I am as a mom, who I am as a, a wife, a friend, an employer. It, it's made a big, really big difference. That's amazing. And for sure, it's not easy. 
I mean, it's easier to say to, to say this is what you're supposed to do or this is what I should do than it is to, to actually do it. So credit to you to, to the conviction and the discipline of following through. Um, I'm a slow learner sometimes. So when I get there, I get there. So <laughs> we all learn in different ways, right? That's, that's right. So then you're in Charlotte now. So to, to, like explain that. How'd you get uh, yeah. to Charlotte? Well, so literally nothing that's gotten me here has been easy, um, you know, from getting into law school, staying into law school, getting married, trying to have kids. Um, but I got married on Long Island four days after 9-11. And my husband, Tim, had gone to school down here for a few years and had transferred back. And Long Island was very different after 9-11. A lot of people were nervous about living in New York City. So this the market on Long Island shut up for homes. And I wasn't prepared to pay that much money. And most of them are fixer-uppers because we have old homes on Long Island, at least at that time. And I was I had the most amazing job with the most amazing lawyer that a lot of my practice has brought what I've learned from him into it. And he started doing more court work. This is a big deal for me. Like I thought I was going to love court. That internship shut me down. I hated court. It wasn't, I could never show my best. I didn't like it. And he started doing more court work um, with guardianships. And I, I said, you know, uh, this is not where I want to be. I want to do estate planning and I want to help families settle estates. I, I don't, I don't want to be in court. It's not my thing. I don't want to be miserable. So we decided, you know, I got my brother that was living down here at the time. Let's let's go check it out. Let's go look at North Carolina. Um, and we we looked at a few places and we ended up where we ended up because it was different from where I grew up. It I could see the sky. There's farms. Um, we've got trees still. You know, like I grew up on a quarter of an acre. I could literally touch my neighbor's house if I wanted to. There wasn't much privacy. And my husband and I both felt like that's what we wanted for our family was, you know, a yard, a bigger yard, a, a community where she could grow up in um, and some place that didn't feel the stress that we felt sometimes, you know, with the commute. And, you know, my husband was driving to the traveling to the city on the train and the subway. So we we found the perfect place for us. And we're still there after, I don't know, we moved at the end of 03. Um, and I love it. I absolutely love where we are. I love the life that we've given our daughter. The one negative, which can never be changed, <laughs> that we are three hours away from any water. Yeah. That that to me, we should put a little bit more thought into that, but um, we'll end up there soon. Um, but three hours away for me when it was a 10 minute drive or a 30 minute drive for us. That's been the hardest thing for me to be okay with. Um, and of course, now my daughter's a water girl. She's a beach girl um, and she's feeling the stress too. So I said, all right, that's our next goal. We're going to get closer to the water um, because that's what we all want. Yeah, are you thinking, are you thinking like a permanent move or a second home move? Um, so we're not really sure. I, you know, I haven't, I only have one child and I don't want to be far from her. I want her to be able to make her own decisions. Because when I look back on, on my family and I always put my parents' happiness first. I yeah. shouldn't say always, but that was a big focus for me in the decisions that I made for my life in the future. And I 
keep telling her, you do what you want. Don't, don't worry about me and daddy. We will do whatever we want to do, but you have to make yourself happy. You can't make your decisions based on you feeling like you're leaving us alone. We're going to be lonely. What about the dog? Think about you. And, you know, she's in high school now. So I want her to start making decisions for herself. So if she doesn't end up where I want to go, then it'll be a second home. It'll be somewhere where she wants to go. But if it ends up where, you know, she's by the water and that's where she wants to be, then that's where I'll go. I want to follow her. I don't want her to follow us. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, and make it happen. Get yeah. To the water. <laughs> I'm going to get there. <laughs> to the water. Uh, and this was, uh, this was wonderful. It was great to connect with you and uh, hear a little bit about uh, how you've gotten to where you are and maybe unpack some of the stuff that you, like the video that you might see on the website. Um, yeah. uh, it's definitely, it shows out that family is incredibly important to you. And it's really cool to see that your work allowed, like helps other people have uh, that same type of experience in a way that's unique to them. Yeah. Well, I appreciate being on and, and you are right. It's it's about family for me. And I, I want that to show through. And I am really blessed to be doing what I'm doing. And thank you so much for letting me unpack <laughs> my luggage, because we are all human regardless. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it is our pleasure, truly. We need to recognize that this is possible because of the hard work and support of the well-run media team. They make this easy. And speaking of easy, big thanks to Huga Coworking for access to their studio. And of course, the lawyers who agree to take time out of their busy, busy schedules to be here, even though we're sure they have better things to do. So thanks for saying yes.